The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to uh, innovate, or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's that's one of my favorite things. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the MJ Cast. I'm Jamin Bull and I'm here with my co-host Q and guest host Paul Black, who featured on the very popular episode, episode 25, Right Place, Right Time, Black Magic. Paul, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. So good to be back. I'm pretty excited for this episode. It is great to have you here. We're so excited too. So today, June 25th, marks a difficult date in the Michael Jackson calendar. A date seven years ago in 2009 when we lost our king, Michael Jackson. Today is an anniversary where we try not to dwell on the negative, but to come together as a community and to support each other and to focus on Michael the artist and Michael the Man. It's a day where we can allow ourselves to celebrate one of the most special lives to have ever been lived. Yeah, and what better way to celebrate Michael's extraordinary life than to speak with one of his collaborators and share some stories. So today we are very lucky to be joined by Kevin Stay, an incredibly accomplished dancer, singer, actor, model, director, choreographer, who worked with Michael on a number of his most significant projects. Kevin featured on both the Black or White music video, the Blood on the Dance Floor video, and also performed uh, live on stage at the MTV 10th anniversary special. Not only has Kevin worked with Michael Jackson, but he's also worked extensively with other industry luminaries such as Prince, Madonna, Rihanna, George Michael, David Bowie, Lady Gaga, and many, many more. Now, Kevin is currently touring Europe to promote a documentary film he is heavily featured in called Strike a Pose. It's a film that follows the lives of Madonna's blonde ambition tour dancers 25 years later. Kevin, of course, choreographed and performed on that tour. We're so lucky to have him here on the MJ cast today. Kevin, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for fitting us into your uber, uber busy schedule. It's a little tight, but there's always time for Michael. (laughs) That's what we (laughs) like to hear. So you're in London at the moment, right? I'm actually in Sheffield. I'm heading down to London. Uh, It's Fashion Week and uh, just heading down today. Cool. That's great. So you're, you're currently busy promoting Strike a Pose, a film around the time you sort of toured with Madonna. Could you tell us about the film and how it came about? Uh, of Strike a Pose? Yeah. Uh, we, were, we were approached by these, uh, this pair of Dutch filmmakers who uh, kind of had the same experience when watching Truth or Dare, where they realized that it sort of them permission to be themselves or freedom to sort of be more than what they thought they could be just by watching on screen so they both had this same thought of well what happened to these guys that we watched on screen that impacted our lives so powerfully back when we were teenagers Um, and so they tracked us down one one at a time uh, mostly Facebook and email and discovered our our stories reached out to us and uh, discovered also that we had not really been in contact with each other either in most of these years so yeah they just (laughs) they followed that story and and 
uh, you know, one little spoiler, they got us all back together. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, the film uh, actually is premiered in Sydney here. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. And Kevin, you know, not only have you been working with Madonna, obviously you've worked with Michael Jackson. I guess one of the biggest questions for us is, What's the, what's been the biggest difference working with these two great iconic pop stars? Like, what was the difference between working with these two uh, different uh, celebrity entertainers? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I think, well, what stands out first, I don't want to sound like it's a bad thing, but Madonna is much more controlling. Mm. She has a very clear idea of what she wants and a sort of perfectionist attitude around it. And that's a great thing when you're trying to create something that's specifically yours. I think Michael has this very, very rare quality, which is to truly appreciate the skills of everyone around him and sort of ask and rely upon their visions as well as his own. Like, Mm -hmm. I think his greatest power in his work really came from kind of collaborative ideas that he would create with people. And then he would kick it to the next level like he he liked what what was going on around with these wonderful artists around him but then he would he would kind of live in this world of anything is possible so what would be what would we do in that world where anything is possible that nobody else is doing what can we do that's going to make it bigger that's going to make it the first of what it is and um i think that that joy of creation is particular to michael more than madonna madonna's it's very it's a very crafted image and it's a very um, distinct, distinct uh, visual she tries to give, certainly for herself. Um, and I think Michael's vision is really more about doing things that no one's ever seen before and have never been done. Mm, that's great. Yeah, great answer. Thank you. And, and sort of going back to a time before actually working with Michael Jackson, what were your perceptions of him prior to engaging in a collaborative process? I I always admired his work. I, I remember watching, uh, I mean, I, of course, I'd seen him when I was little and doing all of his stuff, you know, off the wall and beat it and thriller and all that. But I think I'd only really just became really aware of his strength as a performer during Smooth Criminal, the bad era, because um, that's when I started training as a dancer. That's when I started, like, you know, looking at, at the work that was around me, the work that was taking place at the time. And when Smooth Criminal came out, I mean, my jaw hit the floor. It was extraordinary. I mean, and a lot of that, and thanks Vincent Patterson for bringing his incredible, masterful work to that video. Like, he understands Michael so well, and and Michael fit in that world so well. It just felt like some an artist that had reached their 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 comfortable place, like their 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 apex, truly. So my vision of him was was. I'd, I'd never thought to work with him. <laughs> Honestly, it was not on my radar that I would ever have that opportunity. I I greatly, greatly admired him, and I greatly admired his work, and I I was always fascinated with like what he was going to come out with next because it always seemed unexpected. Like it was just a, there was a lot of groundbreaking stuff happening at that time. Um, when when Vincent called me to to work with Michael, I I was blown away. Uh, it was completely out of the blue, and I, it was probably one of the only gigs in my life that I didn't have to audition for. <laughs> wow. Literally, I was just called in, and it was just a shock. Um, I tried not to be overwhelmed 
<laughs> was nice. that for was that Vincent Patterson called you and was that to work on the black or white project? Yeah, that was to work on black or white to um, be the associate choreographer on that. Wow. Um, and then I, I also he knew my repertoire of of sort of my training and and African work and uh, and I'd even done I'd even done Balinese spiritual stuff for him and you know, shown him some Thai stuff I had done before. So he. You know, I was sort of the right the right person for the gig on that level um, with my vocabulary, um, and then he brought me in as a Cossack as well. Um, right? Yeah, God, brilliant. <laughs> Vince and Vince and Michael together always brilliant. <laughs> so, would you mind telling us a, a little bit about your time and experience on working on the black or white short film? Oh, sure. Um, well, <laughs> the first moment I met Michael, I think what impressed me most was that. He's so present. It's not like he was distracted by a million things in his life that he easily could be, right? He could easily be, you know, there's my bodyguard, and then I have to go to this dinner here, and then I have this event over there, and then I have to go, you know, and these people are calling me. Like, he could easily be that guy. Um, and he was so present, so observant. And, in, you know, we met, you know, one-on-one -on -one with, with Vince, and the first thing he does, shakes my hand, Instantly goes, oh my god, your teeth are so white. How do you get your teeth so white? This is perfect. What do you do? Look at your knee pads. Oh my god, I love your knee pads. Look at your knee pads. Like it was this like overwhelming sense of appreciation and wow. and observation that every little thing he was taking me in as a person, like and not distracted by all these other things going on in the world and his life and his schedule. And it was just really right there with me. And and actually, the the knee pads that I had on were the knee pads from. Uh, the Blonde Ambition tour from uh, Keep It Together, mm. and he was obsessed with them. And like for literally for years after, he was wearing knee pads and all sorts of weird little guards. <laughs> uh huh. That were from that. So he literally nice. got obsessed. Like literally the next day, he was wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. What a great story. Yeah. Um, well, well, we black in black and white. We it was it was such a wonderful easy process. We. We we got to audition so many people because there was a, a large cast in that. We got to bring in all sorts of people. Got to really you know explore what these movements would be. And originally, the movements for Black and White were to have these various ethnic groups then start dancing like Michael and Vincent. Was very clear that although that sounds lovely and be very fun in terms of being responsible to these these beautiful ethnic styles it would be more beautiful to have Michael then learn theirs rather than don't come to me and be on my side, but rather like acknowledge their, the importance and, and wealth of beautiful movement within these other ethnic styles. So, so Michael agreed and that's why he was doing all these, like doing his own little take on, on these different styles. We shot for, gosh, a month or more. <laughs> it was quite a lot. We shot the whole video an entire once and all the way through with everything, with this gray backdrop. I think it was supposed to look like Irving Penn video with the sort of Thai girls. Um, we shot the entire video like that, every single ethnic group. And then we, they went back and looked at it and said, it's not, it's not big enough. It's not a Michael Jackson video. It looks like a, a soundstage with a gray backdrop that they had no money, um, which was not the intention. The intention was to look like these beautiful ethnic groups placed in front of a gray backdrop, just like Irving Penn had way, way back in the day where he was traveling around with the backdrop all over the world photographing these unusual ethnic groups. Uh, so they, but just, just like Michael Jackson would always do, let's make it bigger. Let's make it bigger. What haven't we seen? What haven't we done? You know, no one had ever morphed 
computer morphed a face into another. That was a brand new technology. It took, I mean, it took so much to do that. And it was something no one had ever seen. Now it seems so sort of innocuous and, and simple, but it was, it was brand, brand, brand new. When I remember first seeing that, like, off on the side stage, I was like, what am I looking at? <laughs> what am I looking at right now? What's going on? They're turning into each other. It was unheard of. You know, we, we shot, for, so we, once we shot the whole thing on the gray backdrop, you know, that took maybe a week or so until they realized they wanted to amp up the, the volume. And, uh, yeah, and we stayed there for like a month. I think it was over at Rally Studios. We, uh, you know, it, it was interesting to, to see how calm Michael was about everything. Like, you know, sometimes he wouldn't show up. I mean, not in a bad way. He just like he had other things to do. But it was like, oh, sorry, I couldn't make it. And you know, you know, you're still we're still paid. We're still on set. <laughs> but then, <laughs> so tomorrow, it was sort of an ongoing thing. You're like on hold for that entire period, and then it happens when it happens. And there was no stress about it. There was no like we're we're letting you go. Go home. Come back. Go home. Come back. There was nothing like. It wasn't like stressful. It was just like we have the money we need. So there's no reason to rush what we're doing. So obviously you're working with Vincent as a team of choreographers and it was being directed by John Landis. Did John ever give you the sense that the video was going to be as big in scale as it was in terms of the second half with Michael, you know, doing his old Panther dance in the street and all of that? Did you know that was a part of it as well? I mean, we shot it at the same time. Yeah. Um, uh, it didn't, it didn't make much sense to me at the time. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's going on. I was like, Literally, I was on the set watching, like the you know him doing all this beautiful stuff in the on the on the ground and like you know slamming into the ground with the water. I mean, it was it was powerful, but I I, I couldn't understand where it was, why it was there, what we were doing. Even now, it's a little confusing. But I get his expression of it. It was just I remember at the time going, I don't know what I'm looking at. <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking, I remember like in terms of direction. I mean, I I it was powerful. It was amazing. It, I, I I could you know. They, all the, the, the explosions and the sparks and, you know, it was beautiful to watch. I just, well, yeah, it was, um, yeah, I couldn't, I didn't know where it fit into that world. But of course that whole video, it's like, it's, it's this part of the beauty of Michael is his like fantastic voyage that he, he always participated in, you know, like that idea that his wildest fantasies and his craziest, wildest images and imaginations could be made real. And were made real. Do you think he had a grand plan for that video from the beginning? Or was it because it kept evolving and he kept coming up with new ideas over a period of time that it has that feel where you've got one thing and then a different idea? And, <laughs> and then The Simpsons. It was definitely, it was definitely an evolution. It definitely. Because, again, the original idea was a simple Irving Penn great backdrop and once they realized that it looked like just nobody had money to pay for more than the soundstage <laughs> then, then it, it they then i think they sort of scrambled a bit because they had us already mm. you know they had us in place and they loved the idea of these different ethnic groups they just needed to turn up the volume to 20 which is maybe why that beginning section with the speaker came <laughs> into play um but i mean i remember they were they were brainstorming about what each what each group could be and what that moment could be and how that could be made more exciting so i think it, it came bit by bit uh piece by piece and i think that there's a there's an uh there's a rare uh amalgamation of things <laughs> in one place because of that process cool
Hey, I'm Lavelle Smith Jr. And thanks so much for joining us on the MJ cast. And we know that you went on to work with Michael again during that era, especially on the MTV show. And we might return to that a little bit later, but just keeping in the theme with um, short films, uh, it, you know, in 97, you again got the chance to work on another Michael short film, uh, Blood on the Dance Floor, uh, which is a very different short film to Black or White. How did that video come to be? Um, again, that was that was Vincent again, called me in again. Love Vince. Thank you, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, got called in for that. Um, Vince, this is the one that, that Vince was directing. Um, so that was a different process because he had his eye on the image as well as the choreography. Um, and he had just been to South America working on Evita. So he had a lot of these sort of uh, South American movements in his in his repertoire um, and things that he had seen and been inspired by. And, and he wanted to bring that to to Michael, which I don't think he'd really done before. Um and uh, he had found this little dance called the Kanchenge, I think it was Kanchenge. And that was the, the base of what we created for uh, Blood on the Dance Floor. Yeah, I know, you know Vince had been offered which song he wanted to do. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I think in originally, let's see, I think because I think originally, you know, on, originally had been offered something back on, on the, um, which album? Oh, he'd been offered uh, Jam. Oh. He'd actually been offered jam. Um, and his idea was fantastic. It was amazing. But then they went mm-hmm. with something that was more pop accessible. Um, <laughs> a bit more a bit more street. <laughs> a bit more street. Vince's idea was spectacular. It was about sort of meandering along this this wall like Hamlet and all this I mean, it was just this um, this amazing background of crazy images and another world, really. Um but yeah, not nearly street like it ended up being. Blood on the dance floor. It was. It was. Um. It was a lot of a lot of friends. A lot of people I've worked with for years and years and years. And uh, it was also the last day of our shooting was also the day his son was born. Oh um, wow, that's a wrap. So he was. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, he was there. Uh, we didn't know this. He was there. Uh, he just seemed very distracted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not in a. In a really in a bad sense, but just I certainly compared to black or white, where everything he was like so present to everything. There was this you know other world going on in his head that we didn't know about because we didn't know that was happening. And I remember he was racing out the door, and we're like, "Oh, let's take a picture, hi, bye." And he was being very generous and courteous <laughs> and everything. And he's taking a picture. You can kind of see it in his eyes. It's like I gotta get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Something's going on. <laughs> I gotta go. So if you, actually, if you see, if you look online, and you see this picture of me with Luca Tomasini and and Michael. And he's wearing his red, like yes. Luca has leopardy hair, and I'm wearing a stripy shirt, or whatever. That's literally that moment. <laughs> he's like, wow. "I gotta get out of here. My my son is being born right now." <laughs> uh, but yeah, we didn't know literally till he walked out the door, and then Vince turned to us and said, "So Michael had to leave because." <laughs> <laughs> So there was a lot of stuff going on with Michael then, particularly, you know, having children and stuff. Did you feel that the Blood on the Dance Floor video, was it very different to what was happening with Black or White? You know, just did it seem like a different kind of Michael or a different time in his life? Or, um, I mean, for me, it did. I personally, I, I guess I've, I made up my own little story about it because I, you know, he because he, he did seem different than the first time. The first time there was a lot of playing and laughing and, you know, we had video games in the in the truck outside and, you know, the kids were around, like Macaulay and everybody was running around and, 
his nieces and nephews and, and, and John Landis and his sons and our son and daughter and, you know, pie fights. And I mean, it was, it was a little crazier on, in terms of the set. And then it was definitely a much more adult set, um, with, uh, blood on the dance floor. It seemed more serious. The song was more serious. He seemed a little more serious. You know, I, I wasn't sure if it was because of the lawsuit stuff, but I think in the end it really just, again, I found discovered after I, while, while we were filming, I was thinking, Oh, like that's really taking a toll on him. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's more reserved. He's more internal. He's, you know, something's shifted for him. But then, of course, I find out the second week that we wrap that he's, you know, totally concerned in another world because his son is being born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so don't make it. Moral of the story. Don't make up stories in your head about what you think <laughs> is actually going on. Because <laughs> it could be really awesome. <laughs> yeah, it could be something really awesome. You don't know. What's that look on your face? He's farting. Oh, who knows? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you never so- know what's going on in somebody's head. One of the cool little video leaks we've had in the last six months was actually from the filming on the set of Black or White, and we can see Michael interacting and sort of playing around, and, and you you feature in some of that. And I guess how much sort of personal interaction did you get to have with Michael on the set of Black or White or Blood on the Dance Floor or like their MTV performance? Oh, all I mean, all of it, <laughs> all the yeah. time. But I was the one who taught him his steps, so I got to just work with him all the time, you know, and have time been to, you know, be off doing his thing and, and prepping for stuff. And I was my responsibility to teach him what he needed to do. Um, so I had a lot of interaction with him and that's why he's pointing to me, coming to me, talking to me because I know where he's supposed to be and I'm the one telling him where to go. But, uh, yeah, so it wasn't, there was no wall there. There was no real separation by that. By the time you saw that video, we had worked together all month. Um, wow. Yeah. It sounds like that came pretty uh, and I, easily. I, Oh yeah, it really did, and I I think one of not one of my one of the one of um one of the things that's kept me working in this business so long and so easily and and so comfortably with everybody is that I don't get I don't get overwhelmed with stardom or yeah. celebrity, and it doesn't impact me at all, and I usually don't pay much attention to it. There's very few people that do that to me, and they're they're not the people you'd think. It's not like I go, you know, it's not, wow. it's not like I'm, oh, Christina Aguilera, oh, my God. No, I'm usually like, oh, my God, Sheila E. <laughs> well, you know, like it's, it's not the people that you think. So, come on, who was it for you? Who was the one that just made you think, wow, I'm working with or I'm collaborating with that made you kind of a little intimidated? Prince. Wow. Oh, easily. He's the only person, he's the only person in the world that I really fanboy out over. And it's, yeah. and it's only I sent a fan letter to him when I was twelve, like that kind of fanboy. Like I had every song, every album, every music, every twelve inch, blah blah blah. Yeah, you know, and I had every live stuff, all the bootlegs, and he was really pissed about that. <laughs> <laughs> nice, uh, but yeah, he's the only person I really sort of had that moment of. Oh, I, and what, what yeah, was your collaboration with Prince? Um, I did see, it's interesting. I worked with him over the course of a year and a half and I only saw him a handful of times. <laughs> nice. He, um, I did Ulysses, this whole dance performance thing that Jamie King directed and choreographed. And I did the erotic city glam slam show every Friday night with his new music. And oh. it, and I also did the pussy control video and the endorphin machine video, which both of which yeah. didn't come out. And, uh, when we would do our shows, he would be there at, at the club but we wouldn't know. 
He would never, he would never announce that he'd arrive. He'd always, if he came, he'd he'd be up in the corner behind one way glass, and he'd watch us perform his music. So he got, so he sort of got to act as his muse and inspiration to see like what's possible with his music and how we interpreted it. And even in rehearsals, you know, we'd be, we'd be in rehearsal for a day or two that week, and you know, just dancing around on stage, being stupid, and then we'd get a note from him. Hit the seven. Hit, hit the seven eight harder. <laughs> like, friend, is he there? Like, <laughs> someone's, someone's watching me. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I was very uh, yeah, definitely fanboy out on that one. I'm right with you there. I'm biggest Prince <laughs> fan, and people who listen to the show know that I've had my share of Prince experiences, and huge, huge fan of Prince. So, you know, you're very lucky to have worked with, you know, the, the holy trinity of, of pop with Michael, Prince, and Madonna, so that must be pretty amazing. Very, very, very fortunate. Yes, I, I don't take it lightly, and I know I, I, the, the more time passes, the more I realize how extraordinarily special those people are and were and and the impact that they've had and and that there will not be any more like them there just can't be in this the world that there is now it just doesn't allow for that definitely very special people so talk to us about the mtv 10th anniversary show and uh specifically the will you be there performance i mean as as i think about it it really is in my opinion one of the most timeless pieces of art that michael was involved with especially uh choreography wise it's stunning stunning to watch talk to us about the experience of putting that together with michael um i I mean i I, i'm getting like goosebumps right now i really do i love that you said that because it really is for me exactly that a work of art that that performance to me was more than a performance it transcended it transcended pop for Mm -hmm. me i know vincent's Vincent approached it as a piece of art. He approached it as this, 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 as a message. It wasn't, and that's what I think is missing in a lot of today's stuff is that there's no message. It's just movement for movement's sake. There's, there's just like how, you know, what's the next sexy step? And it's, Michael's stuff wasn't about the next sexy step. It's sexy because it's powerful. It's sexy because it's beautiful, you know, and then there's a message behind it. That's what makes it timeless. I think that performance was, it was well. It was extraordinary to be in it, certainly, and then to watch it, it feel it does feel timeless. Timeless. It feels like it could be at any moment. You know, the, the it was at this hangar in Santa Monica. There were thousands of people. We did it live several times, and you could see the sea of faces that were just stunned. And normally, you'd think of a. a a, a Michael Jackson audience is this screaming sea of, of, you know, fandom and insanity. And you could tell that the audience gave it the same reverence that it felt doing it. Like they, they were almost silent. You'd never expect that from a Michael audience, oh. but they, they were a bit stunned into silence. Like the, peaceful beauty of mm. the of the number i think it really impacted everybody that was there not only just not just in the audience but also even us on stage to have this this choir and sea of people behind us you know on these giant risers and and to be right there with him and you could feel him 
performing this song that was so important to him. Um, it, yeah, it was, it's, it's certainly my, one of my favorite, favorite performances I've ever done. Um, yeah, it's so, so rich. And the choreography, when I, I could just watch it over and over again for hours because it's like the, the, the moves really tell a story and there's just so much subtle sort of spirituality, I think, in some of the moves, like in, in the, the way he positions his body. And yeah, it's beautiful to watch. And I'd, I'd love to know the thought processes going through his mind of what the moves meant to him. And oh, it's yeah, very deep. It was, I mean, we were... The, those of us on the stage, on the, on the ground with him, were his street clergy, is what Vincent called us. Um, the the overall, I, the, those images, all those like all the images we created with the the globe and the those sort of transitioning images were originally inspired by those little Catholic um, the Catholic cards where they have where you see a little like, tableau and a composition of the saints. Yeah, that's that's where those sort of visuals came from originally. So you have these sort of these gestural moments where things are connecting compositionally, mm. where there's energy reaching out to one another, where there's something. And they, in those Catholic cards, you see the saint gestures, to, you know, down to the right, and that means you are reaching to this poor soul on the side, like those motions have more behind them than I'm just giving a port de bras. They're actually. <laughs> they're actually coming from these religious iconic moments that are engaging, uh, spirituality. So it's, it's very, uh, appropriate that you feel like that these movements have a spirituality to them because they come from a spiritual place originally as inspiration. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, that was That's awesome. A, <laughs> I'm learning so much. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever asks about the process. You know what I mean? I, 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 I think that's fantastic that you are because oh. um, if I have if I learned anything about dance and choreography, it is that is it is a language, and you can go to this language and have a conversation and talk about nothing if you don't pay attention. Like you could be talking on the street on your phone, blah, blah, but or you could be having a really deep, profound conversation within your movement. And Vince always makes sure that he's having a conversation, an intentional conversation, and not just blabbing, blabbing, blabbing. Hmm. Like like words and nonsensical words. Amazing. Do you find that there are any moments that stand out through working with Michael that <laughs> you just think, wow, when I look back, that's the moment that was just so special or so eye-opening or so magical in some way out of everything that you ever did with him? <laughs> this is going to sound very weird as a magical moment, but it's what always stands out for me. <laughs> it's not... It's not what you'd expect as a magical moment, but I think okay. it gave me insight into being human and finding normality within the excess and craziness. And it's something that you don't hear often about Michael. It's his sense, his sense of humor was his, like extraordinary and hysterical. Um, at one point, we're we're I've told this story before, so stop me if you heard it. <laughs> but I. Um, so we're on the set of Black and White, and uh, John Landis had brought his kids to the set. And they're, I don't know, maybe like 9 and 11. And they're over by the monitor in Video Village, which is about maybe 30 feet away, 20, 25 feet away, maybe 30, 25. And so all, we're all there for the Cossack part. And I think uh, – and, and and Michael's like wired up because he's going to rise up into the air. But um, 
we are kind of all around him and just chatting and, and he looks over and he goes, oh my God, and he gets this crazy look on his face, like just almost like excited, nervous, giddy, like he can't believe it. And he turns to us and he goes, look, look over there right now, right now, right now, look, 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 right now. So we look over, we look over and John Landis' daughter is digging up in her nose, like really hard, like really, like <laughs> just picking up in her nose, like just going for it, like, you know, rolling around, you can see her, mo- her nose moving way over here, 25 feet away, right? <laughs> and... <laughs> And Michael's just giggling away and can't believe it. He's like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Look, 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 look. So we look over, and then we start making bets over whether she's going to eat it or flick it. (laughs) So she – I know. Wow. So we're looking, we're watching, we're watching, like, just, like, our hands are over our mouths, like, what's she going to do? What's she going to do? And we look over, and suddenly she eats it. No. We all (laughs) – we all – all screamed and screamed, and Michael was laughing hysterically and just pointing. And obviously, had no idea what was going on because she's like so far away. But <laughs> it just it 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 landed home for me that you can be on a job and and have fun. That you can have a sense of humor. Um, I was saying that your 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 work can be fun and your fun can be art and your art can be fun and that all you can have all of that at the same time. Yeah. And it it I've held that with me always when I go to, to sets and things that I I want to have fun that I want to like laugh and that I can and that it's it's I give myself permission to have fun and I give myself permission to laugh and I think that's one of the reasons why I still work with so many people is because I have fun and I don't have a problem with celebrity and I, I that's that's I think that's what a lot of people in that world want it's rare that you um, have people around you that can treat you like real people um, and that you can laugh with and let your hair down and trust. And I try to be all of that. If this was a regular episode and not a special episode, I think the name of the show would be the magic booger. (laughs) 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 But because it's it's not, You said magic moment. I was like, that's what came to mind. I was like, well, here you go. (laughs) Magic isn't always exactly what you think it is. (laughs) It's the little things. It's the little things. That's the the title of the episode. It's the little things. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man, that was awesome. Nation, all the world must come together, face the problems that we see, then maybe somehow we can work it. Ask my neighbor for a favor, she said later. What has come of all the people? Have we lost love of what is so? I have to find my peace, cause no one seems to let me be. Fox Rock is crying, doing all the possibilities. I told my brother, don't be problem times and tears for this. We must live each day like this. Go with it. Go with it. Don't you ask me for no favors I've done this 
your tracks with my man Michael Jackson. It's smooth, come on, half the man is back, so relax. Jingle, mingle, jingle in the jungle. From rush to door, three and four, so in the bundle. Check to keep the band first, I cool it like a band. Got one Janet, there a guy, now with Michael Cuss, that ain't hard. Hey, this is really, really Brad Sundberg, studio engineer and technical director for Michael Jackson and host of In the Studio with MJ. You're listening to the MJ cast. Um, and it's going to be a bit of a sort of a huge drop in questions now from something so fun and lighthearted to something way more serious. And that's such a shame because that was such an awesome moment. But like you said, you can still have, you know, your lighter moments and learn. So my personal question was, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want, it was where were you and sort of what were you doing when you heard about Michael's passing? Oh, gosh. Um, I was at home in Hollywood. Uh, you know, I when they, when they flew over the house and had that moment of some things happened at the Michael Jackson house, I, I knew instantly. I really did. I and. The fact it, you can kind of tell now how their media media responds because they don't want to say until they have confirmation. Same thing with Prince. You know, there's a body at the Minneapolis compound. Like it's, um, I I knew immediately. I actually texted all of them immediately. The dancers because I mean they're friends of mine, um, and they had been called in to work, and, and there was a media blackout at the. Uh, the rehearsal space so they i was texting them what was going on on tv because they didn't know and, and they weren't getting that information um so yeah it was uh it was uh it was a it was a heart-crushing moment um you know confirmation was confirmation but i, I knew from the moment and i saw them even bring up the subject um 
Yeah. 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 And I know he had a lot of, a lot riding on that concert. It was his comeback. It was, it was having a rough go of it. You know, there was a lot of hope, but it was also a very rough return. You know, there was like, he hadn't been on stage for quite some time. And, you know, I I had such hopes. I think that's, that's where I was at. I, I wanted the world to see him and his extraordinary talent like I had in person. You know, the I wanted, I was hoping beyond hope that people would see his heart and his humor again, um, and and that the media destruction of his character and and everything would would be be the thing of the past. That people could focus on his music, his talent, um, and stop making stories, stop stop sensationalizing everything. Um, I myself have had experiences with people making up stories and making up things that aren't true and, and misconstruing things and changing my words to mean other things. And it's not fun. It's not nice. It's, it's, it's destructive and it's terrible. And I felt, I felt even personally hurt by all of the stuff they were saying about him for, for years. And it's just, it was, I wish there had been a chance for just some, you know, personal vindiction, like just to mm. get back out there and, and focus on the art and, and, and let all that stuff disappear and to, you know, wherever the hell it came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kevin, when you saw the film, this is it, uh, from a, from a dancer choreographer's perspective and someone who'd worked with Michael, what was your perspective on that when you saw it? Uh, I enjoyed it. I loved it. <laughs> Again, I thought it did finally started to show some of the bits of humor that he had. I think it showed, uh, a, I think, something that people really hadn't seen much of uh, is his process, mm-hmm. uh, his attention to detail, and I think that's that's part of what made him him, and that part of his parts of that's part of his life that he kept very quiet and and, and hidden. And, and real fans, you know, they have bootleg stuff of him doing his his demos and things, and you can you know that his demos are freaking phenomenal <laughs> insane done finished products like yeah i might i enjoyed watching the movie and but of course it was accompanied with with a lot of sadness yeah yeah you know Kevin, we've got a question for you now that we ask uh, pretty much every special guest that we ever have on the show. Uh, and it's interesting hearing the different answers and different takes from collaborator to collaborator. And the question is, how do you feel that Michael should be remembered? Ooh, that's a good question. I think Michael should be remembered as a vanguard of fantasy that we can we can run with our fantasies and the visions we have in our head can be made real i'd like to think of that because what it i'd like to think of him as that because what it does is it leaves it it, it remembers him as this champion of possibility always even not just in his own work and his own imagery but even just for the world like his he always saw possibility for the world, peace, an end to hunger. Like, and in seeing that possibility, he halfway made it true. Like, that's the power of vision. Um, that's how I'd like to see him remembered. It's mm. a beautiful answer. Beautiful. Thank you. 
that word vanguard of you know that's so fitting mm. yeah thank you of course I'm, I'm gonna have to head out unfortunately because i have to catch my train and finish packing up all the stuff before i go um, <laughs> but, uh, that's not a problem thank you thank you for your time kevin We'd love to have you back another time to talk more about process and, and like your early history and your inspiration. So if you're ever free in the future, let us know. Absolutely. I'd love that. Thank you oh. so much for your time, Kevin. All the best with the, the promotional tour for the Madonna documentary that you're, you're heavily involved in and enjoy Fashion Week. <laughs> Thank you so much. And if you all want to go grab my music, it's called, it's under yes. the name, That Rogue Romeo. We'll put a link in our show notes to your iTunes page so everybody can check it out. Great. Fabulous. Have a wonderful day, you guys. Delighted to have with us one of America's youngest institutions. Five of our very favorite people who, in fact, are doing us the honor of letting us celebrate with them their 10th anniversary in show business. A great welcome, gang, for the Jacksons. I think you remember these songs. I never can say goodbye. They make the me. I never can say goodbye. Even though the pain and heartaches seem to follow me wherever I go. Though I try and strike to have my feelings, they always seem to show. Then you try to say you're leaving me. This is Janneke, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. If you're after a leading magazine on all things Michael Jackson and the Jackson family, check out Jackson Source. Jackson Source publishes Jackson Magazine annually, and it offers a full retrospect of the previous year, covering all the news, highlights, and events of the first and next generation of Jacksons in the form of articles, interviews, photos, categories, and exclusive contributions from Jackson family members. Jackson Magazine is now available and features articles about the message in Michael's music, the legacy of the Jackson 5, exclusive interviews with Tito, Jermaine, Taj, Terrell and TJ, as well as exclusive pictures of Tito, Jermaine, Jafar and Your Majesty, and loads more. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Jackson Source.
Thank you. Thank you. Hey, this is Taj Jackson of 3T, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. Well, there we are, listeners. Uh, an incredible conversation that you know we we got so much out of in, in that short amount of time. Of course, we'll have links in the show note for all of Kevin's social media. He's he's across a lot, and I highly recommend, firstly, that you subscribe to his YouTube channel. He does a lot of terrific videos on his YouTube channel, a lot of Q&A answers. He answers a lot of Michael questions on his uh, YouTube. There's some really awesome videos there, and we'll have links to his own music as That Rogue Romeo and all of those will be in the show notes. And of course, we will have a short trailer linked so you can have a look at the Strike a Pose film documentary that he's currently doing promotion for and is debuting around the world, which I'm very eager to see. It looks really great. Yeah, it looks really cool. And Paul, didn't you say it's actually playing literally right now in Sydney as as we speak? By the time this airs, yeah, it's, I think it may have a limited run as well that's coming up. So okay, I'm going to go have to check the the theaters because yeah, I, like yeah, I'm sure I'll see it on Blu-ray or something when it comes out. But it'd be great to see it in the theater. Yeah, very cool. It's getting rave reviews, like really good reviews. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. It was really cool, and it went to places that we didn't expect. That's for sure. I was blown away by the depth of his answers, especially that um, how should Michael be remembered. Question, oh, man, he answered that really well. Yeah, we were, we were sort of pressed on time, guys, um, so we will try and get Kevin back in a future episode, but we were sort of pressed on time, and we uh, we were. that's why I sort of had that crunching of gears from that great laughing story down to that more serious thing, so sorry about that. Um, but we knew we were pressed on time, and we really wanted to, to get those last questions in, and in the end, the timing worked out really spot-on perfect. Yes. So... Yeah, we're pretty lucky with that. So, yeah. So, this is sort of following the format of our episode last year when we uh, had Darren Hayes on, um, which was a a really awesome interview as well. And then after that, we're sort of going to be sharing some stories. And Paul Black, thanks for joining us again on the show because, as everyone knows, it's Paul Black with the Black Magic and you've got (laughs) some great stories to share and especially really fitting stories for what today is all about and that I think people will be able to listen to, learn from, and in many ways relate to. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember because I listened to your show last year at this time and, uh, you know, so many touching stories and, you know, it was a great episode. So it's a pleasure to be back on the show talking about some more experience that I've had, you know, uh, you know, it's been, it's been an interesting sort of time looking back at all of this, but, uh, yeah, it was another chapter in my life. And I think when was on the show last time, uh, we were talking a little bit about how I went to LA and had some experiences, uh, there. It was just kind of weird timing, I guess. You know, I was actually shifting gears in my life and uh, trying to work uh, on my film career and got accepted into the American Film Institute over there to do a master's degree. So I ended up uh, rearranging my life and sort of turning everything upside down and selling a bunch of stuff and sort of, you know, getting into a situation where I could pack up and move over to Los Angeles for four years. And uh, I think I said last time, one of the first things I did when I got to LA was, right, I'm going to go 
and visit the Encino home, uh, the Jackson's home, because we happened to be shooting like a film, like literally 10 minutes walk around the corner in Encino. And I was like, oh, great, great, perfect. perfect. So, so I perfect. snuck off during the lunch break <laughs> while everyone was doing, you know, the onset lunch. I just took off and, and went for a bit of a private walk. With a tray um, of sandwiches? Or? <laughs> exactly. Um, Paul's and, got and, you a know, tray of sandwiches. Look at him. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, went, went to the home and, uh, and somebody came over the intercom and asked if they could help me. And, and I, I, I always, to this day, wonder whether I should have explained myself a little better. I just sort of said, oh, I'm just having a look or something and then kind of, you know, <laughs> took off. But I, I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, was that a moment of black magic that I missed? If I had have said, well, I'm all the way here from Australia and I'm a big fan, they might have gone, hey, come in, we'll give you a tour. <laughs> well, um, Catherine used to do that in the olden days. Yeah. That's I don't know if she would now. I hope she wouldn't. <laughs> Please don't do that, Catherine. <laughs> but it it was yeah so it was it was like exciting to be in LA and you know just sort of exciting to see all these places but it was very very shortly after i arrived that that, that michael passed away which in some ways you know is is bad timing but in other ways was kind of some kind of weird karma i guess because i'd never been to LA i'd never been to america and all of a sudden here i was in LA for a period of time where there was so much Michael stuff happening in terms of remembering him and celebrating him. And, and it just became like Michael City for like two years or so. Even sort of before that, there was, I guess, the This Is It hype for the concerts and mm. there was rehearsals happening at the same time that you were in town. Yeah, well, ironically, I mean, you may recall last time uh, I was on the show, I talked about uh, how fortunate I was to um, sing on stage with Prince. For the second uh, time, folks, for and the second time. <laughs> head, head back and hear the uh, stories in the other episode. So, yeah, the first time was a Michael Jackson song, Billie Jean, we did in, in Australia. And, yeah, like five years later or so, uh, here I was in, a, in LA and it was at the Nokia Theatre opposite the Staples Centre. So I was fortunate enough to end up singing on stage with Prince um, at a big massive concert he did there. And the funny thing about it was it was literally maybe just half a week or so before Michael was actually there auditioning his dancers for This Is It. And I didn't know this at the time. I sort of found out later. Actually, Q, you sent me a video of saying, hey, because I knew you had tickets for This Is It and you were all really excited. Yeah. Um, and you sent me a video saying, look, they're auditioning dancers and Michael was there. And I'm thinking, I know that place. I was just <laughs> there and figured out that, wow, you know. So I, I admit my head was a little bit in the clouds because I was dealing with all this other stuff, you know, all my film uh, stuff, obligations and shoots and everything. So I wasn't really in a position to to keep my ear to the ground. So I kind of um, didn't even really know that was happening so much. And because I just turned my life upside down, you know, and it took a lot of like refinancing and all sorts of stuff to get over to LA. I remember being saddened that there was just no way I was going to be able to, you know, buy a ticket to, to London to go and see this is it. I'm like, there's just no way. It's like, if, if you knew what it took to get me here, there's just, it's just not even a, a consideration. So I was very envious of you, Q, that you were going and very excited and happy for you and thinking, wow, it's going to be pretty, pretty amazing. And, and it was, yeah, it was only shortly after all of that time um, that, that, uh, that the news came. And I guess my story of, of where I was and how I found out 
you know, is is interesting in that, again, I was so focused on everything I was doing with, with all the film stuff, it kind of came out of the blue and it was it was a very strange day. But I guess what I'm saying overall is that I feel very blessed to have been in LA at that time because the celebration and the love and all of the stuff that, that sort of happened for Michael and about Michael and with Michael in, and his family, you know, after he passed, it was, I felt like it was meant to be in some way that I was meant to be part of it or I was meant to be there. So I'm just very, very grateful that I was there, albeit for completely different reasons. I didn't travel there to be part of it. I just happened to find myself right in the middle of it. So I was actually working on a TV show way out in a place called Santa Clarita, which is quite far out um, from L.A., past Pasadena, not quite as far as Santa Barbara where Neverland was, but it was out in the same kind of country, countryside. Um, and I actually caught a train all the way out to this place to work on this show. It was interesting because we're actually in the, in the lunch uh, catering like on set they have a catering lunch thing on set with all the actors and cast and crew of this TV series. And it was one of the actresses that actually kind of just kind of yelled out, oh, my God. And everyone sort of stopped. And she's like, Michael Jackson just died. And everyone was like, what? And we just didn't believe it. We didn't know if that was even a thing or what was that about. And I was kind of internally sort of freaking out, thinking, what? Is this? No. And then we kind of went back to the editing room and – things were starting to unfold on the news and we, you know, as everyone often says, you know, we didn't think it was true. Is this a hoax? Is this real? What is this about? And it was very hard for me to kind of keep my mind on the job because I don't know, I didn't really want to tell all these people. I was trying to work my way in and up around this kind of TV uh, show thing and, and, and make a good impression. And I hadn't been there long and I didn't really want to turn around and say, oh, actually I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan and this is like, you know, so I was trying to stay focused but it was very difficult, even to the point where, you know, I'd actually been, in terms of the whole film career thing, I'd been waiting on an important phone call from one of the, because I'm a film editor, as you may recall, and I've been waiting on a phone call from the the film editor of James Cameron's Avatar, which at the time was shooting and they were trying to sort of arrange to see if I could come in and sort of observe, do a visit and do a, go to a screening for that. And they were talking about inviting me up to Skywalker Ranch to, to do a mix on, on the film and stuff. And I've been waiting for this call. And it's like right literally in the middle of all this, the phone rings. And it's the editor from, from Avatar trying to ask me about all this stuff. And I was trying to stay focused. And I was thinking, wow. And I almost felt like saying, have you not heard the news? And it was just sort of happening at the time. So it was a very crazy experience for me being all in amongst that and we're just following it all on, on the CNN coverage and whatever, and everyone was gathering down at UCLA Medical Center, uh, and and I just felt like I have to go there, like this is down in Westwood, and I was miles away, and just something was saying, look, you've got to go there, and, and, and I sort of managed to sort of finish up early uh, and go and find the train station, and uh, I was just in complete shock like most people um, and I'd listening I had turned my had a little you know headphones radio uh, and I was listening to all these broadcasts and they were talking about it and they were playing music and songs and I had this really long trek ahead of me trying to figure out how I'm going to get to to Westwood um, and just 
in disbelief and listening to the to the music being played and just you know tears and just sort of realizing this is really happening and and it was interesting because I felt like I was in LA and everywhere I looked and the countryside felt like Michael because he lives out at Santa Barbara and the Neverland Ranch. I felt like I was in that kind of country, you know? Mm. And so I was on this train ride and I was looking out at all the mountains and, and, and just listening to everything on the radio and trying to figure it all out and they'd give updates of what's happening. And it was quite difficult actually because I was realizing that closer I got towards the city, they were saying, look, it's just impossible to get down to Westwood and there's just, you know, traffic banked up and you can't get through and none of the buses can get through and there was no trains down that way. And I was just trying to figure out how can I get there? How can I get there? And by the time I sort of got close to, to Union Station, which is kind of the central LA, though, I think around that time, it became clear that there was no way I was going to make it down there. But uh, I was trying to rush around and figure out a way. And then I think I heard that they'd then moved him and flown him out of there. So I was like, okay, so that isn't going to happen. And I just remember distinctly walking around outside Union Station in LA and, and Billie Jean came on the radio and I was just listening to it in a way that I'd never listened to it before. You know, it was just realizing how great and how amazing and how brilliant and how, sad and unreal this all felt but just tragic and icon and genius and all these things that go through your head um, trying to put it all together and I just remember thinking I need to go somewhere you know I need to figure out where can I go where there's fans and love and something so I thought well let me go into to LA uh, Hollywood Boulevard uh, and see what's happening because Michael has the star on the Walk of Fame. And I'm not sure if you know this story, but unfortunately, bad timing, they actually had the world premiere of, of uh, Bruno, the Sacha Baron Cohen film, uh, outside the Chinese theater in LA, which is where they have all the big red carpet premieres. And uh, that's right where Michael Jackson's star is. So they actually had it covered up with the big red carpet and they set up all of these, you know, uh, riggings with all the, the red carpet and the billboards and the posters and everything. And that's all, you know, media and cameras. It's all ready for the red carpet premiere that was happening at the time. So nobody could get to Michael Jackson's star to, to be wow. there to pay tribute. I did not know that. Hmm. Yeah. And there's also other rumors, I'm not even sure if this is true, but there was a section apparently in, in Bruno where they interviewed LaToya Jackson. Um, and I can't remember if they took the whole thing out. There may be some of that in the film, but I vaguely remember the story about there was something in there and they were asking something about Michael and they decided to cut it out somehow right before the premiere because Michael had passed away and it was just either inappropriate or just out of respect or something. So it was a bit of a weird situation. And what was even more interesting or bizarre is that there was a whole group of fans a couple of blocks away near the Arclight Theatre in LA, down in Hollywood Boulevard there, um, where there was all these fans gathering around the star of Michael Jackson with candles and singing and taking photos and all this. But what I don't think they realized that it wasn't actually the right Michael Jackson. <laughs> there was a star in a very obscure kind of place just around the corner for, I guess it was some kind of radio personality from back in the day who happened to be named Michael Jackson. 
Awkward. So it was a bit mm. awkward. It was that like they didn't actually find this out till later because I guess people just wandered around looking for the star and thought they'd found it, not realizing that the real one was over, you know, underneath a red carpet somewhere. Well, a real fan would have known like where it was. These would have just been pedestrian fans. Yeah, but it was still because I found these people and and there was still you know love and and a feeling and 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 it was kind of beautiful and you know, there was still a vigil going on in a way that was something. I'm like, this is great because I needed something and there was a small gathering of people and it was just really nice to be there and sort of feel like you were paying respects in, in a way. So, yeah, it was interesting. But I just remember going home that night on the train because I was living out in Burbank at the time. And that night I just remember listening to that same radio with headphones like all night I just couldn't sleep and I just remember lying in bed in the dark listening to this broadcast it was like an all night broadcast where they were just paying tribute to Michael and just I mean you've probably heard people say this before but you can own the entire Michael Jackson catalogue and listen to it but it's different when it comes on the radio when yeah, you hear yeah, it on the radio yeah, you know what I mean and this was different again. It was like you're not only hearing songs broadcast that you knew everyone was hearing and listening to who was tuned in, but like I said before, you were listening to these songs in a whole new way. So yeah, it was it was it was just a different kind of emotional uh, experience. So I remember getting up the next morning and said, "Right, that's it. I'm I'm going to head out and I want to be part of." something i've got to go and find you know where the fans are where the support is what's going on so we um i i took off into to hollywood boulevard and the scene was incredible it was like thousands and thousands of people lining the streets similar to when michael had his star on the walk of fame there just to be able to come and see the, the star and pay tribute and put flowers and notes and things but it was so crazy by this time that they had like police horses and crowd barriers and it was chaos it was crazy there was fans everywhere and there was like a massive 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 queue of people you know it's not even a queue like a single file line but like literally masses of people just trying to get through so it took like two hours or something just to be able to get through to see the star and they moved you on pretty quickly and like i said there was police you know, trying to stop every everyone, you know, crowd control all of this. So it was very, it was actually very well organized, but it Paul, was it was crazy. Was the traffic street still open? Like, was that road? They closed off half of it. So if you know Hollywood Boulevard at all, uh, it's kind of like two lanes both ways, but they pretty much closed off an entire half and redirected a lot of traffic. So it was pretty much not open, but there was one sort of single lane, but they diverted a lot of traffic. And it it was amazing because you felt like you were part of history and some magical way where you were there to to celebrate and the emotion was so high and there was love in the air and i i don't know i guess i felt when i first got to la that you know i've heard all this stuff that you know sometimes michael isn't you know held in high regard in in america anymore and you know i was thinking okay well fair enough but all of a sudden it's like the whole place turned into 
love and celebration from Michael. And for, for weeks, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing Michael's music being played and posters and pictures and, and celebrations and all of the famous icon landmarks like, you know, the Roxy Theater and the Viper Room and all of these kind of, you know, House of Blues. They all had big tributes up on their banners, the exterior billboards that they have outside. You know, we'll miss you, Michael, and R.I.P. and, you know, we remember the time and all this kind of stuff. And it was a, it was amazing. It was like, wow, all of a sudden it's cool that I'm a Michael Jackson fan, whereas I was a bit nervous about that for a while. I was like, you know, it's not something you always wanted to advertise. And yet here we were in what seemed like just love, love, love for Michael. And I think you remember, Q, when I did get to the star on the Walk of Fame, I placed a note um, from Australia you know, saying, we love you, Michael, we miss you. And I put Q, your name on it and, and some other Australian fans. Yep. I'm yes. crying now because I remember that so well. Yeah. And, and I was... did the same when I got over there a few months later and went to uh, to Havenhurst and I left a card there and I had your name. I think you were, you were with me when we dropped yeah. that off. Yeah. It was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was interesting as well because... You know, Q and I have been friends for a long time, and in a strange way, I almost felt like Q should be here and I shouldn't be here. Like, Q needs to be here. And so, a lot of the things that I was doing, I was sort of almost carrying the torch for you or, or doing it through you. So, I really wanted to find ways of, of making it feel like you were there with me and making you feel like you were there you know, with me experiencing these things and putting these notes on. And they also had a big, massive billboard that they put up outside the Staples Center um, where fans could come and, and sign farewell messages and things. And so I'd put, you know, our names on that as well. Yeah. Um, and doing all of those little things, it really did really make me feel connected to it being so far away because you were like there in my place as well as for yourself. And so, yeah, I still really appreciate that all these years later. Yeah. And we'll talk about the memorial itself because I was very blessed to be at the Michael Jackson Memorial Funeral Service. And I just felt so blessed and lucky to be there that I was like, <clears throat> wow, I'm kind of carrying the torch here for all Australian fans and anyone. Because it was almost impossible for anyone from Australia to be there because you know, who can organize that within a week or so to, to, to be over there? And I was already there. That's what I mean about it. It was just something about the whole experience of being there already that it was meant to be in some way. I was in the right place at the right time. And yeah, the, the love and the, the vibe and the feeling of, of all around LA was amazing. And I went to the Encino home and I went to uh, the, the home um, uh, where he did pass away um, in Carrollwood Drive and it was interesting one of the memorable moments of that was uh, there were a lot of fans that had just wanted to gather somewhere and they didn't know where to go and so they were going to all these locations and what I figured out because I went all around that day after the morning after to all these different locations and found fans everywhere in different locations people just wanted to get gather and get together um, Obviously, there was a whole bunch of people down at Neverland, but unfortunately for me, that was just not logistically possible because I had no way of getting out there at the time. Um, 
I went later, but at that time I didn't have the ability to go out there. But I did go to the Carrollwood home um, and it was very emotional. But one of the most memorable moments was just walking up, approaching. It was quite far away, uh, maybe 100 meters or so from the residence. And I just remember I came up and there was just this girl who was just coming along and she saw me. And it's like, we didn't say anything. She just knew and I just knew. And she just came up and just gave me a big hug. And the hug lasted for what felt like five minutes. And we didn't say anything. But it was just like there was something that fan to fan people just knew. And you didn't have to say anything. It's You knew why you were there. You knew what you were feeling. And there were no words. So we just hugged. And I don't know her name. I don't remember if we even said anything. We might have said something briefly after, but, you know, it was like just this magic kind of surreal moment of, of just love and, and mourning. And it was very emotional. And I just, I'll just never forget that. And, and that was the kind of thing that was happening all over the world, but all over LA in particular, because it was so close to what was happening. And unfortunately, you know, this was where, you know, Michael had actually, you know, passed away and been rushed off to the hospital. So there was all the, the media was there and there was all the police and the family was still coming and going out of. So it was a bit of a strange vibe but just the love of the fans laying all the tributes outside the home and you know on the footpath there it was just you know it was it was a incredibly emotional and humbling time um but it's like as a fan you just thought i just need to to be around people i need to deal with this in a way i need to like you just want to you didn't want to sit at home you just wanted to be somewhere and i was fortunate to be in a city where there were so many michael iconic places and locations for you to go and to be around other fans until they organized you know more official kind of events you know Shocking news from Los Angeles tonight. NBC News has confirmed pop superstar Michael Jackson is dead at the age of 50. Another wind blow, knock at my window, the sun kisses me, good morning. Things I didn't say to you yesterday. Now will forever haunt me If only you told me Today you'll be leaving I would have stayed in bed No heads up, no warning Suddenly it hit me Hard as a blow to the head
Hi, this is Diana Walzak, sculptor of the Michael Jackson History Statue, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. So speaking of official events, the, the memorial that eventually took place at the Staples Center, what, were, what was the ticketing process actually like for that and how did you manage to get tickets? Well, it's interesting. It still feels weird today saying the tickets, you know, did you have a did you get tickets to the Michael Jackson funeral, basically? Um, but it was a very bizarre 
way of handling the whole event, but yet it was so well organized that it was incredible because what actually happened, they said, we're going to hold this big event at the Staples Center, right, which is where he was to be doing some of the rehearsing and, um, you know, which you've seen in the This Is It film. Um, And so they thought this is a good way to have a tribute. And funny enough, we didn't really know what it was going to be. We honestly thought it was going to be some kind of sort of tribute memorial event where you show up and it's just some kind of, you know, tribute where they might have people performing tribute songs or it might just be playing the music or just a gathering of fans or whatever. We didn't really know what it was. But they said the only way you can get access to this as fans is to enter a lottery, basically, to enter a draw. And, of course, people on online were trying to enter the draw and trying to figure out how to get tickets. And I registered, and it's all very strict. You know, you can only register once under the one email, all that kind of stuff. And they said we'd notify people by a certain time. And then I remember just waiting and waiting and waiting and thinking, I, I, I have to be there for this. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm in L.A. I'm meant to be here for some reason. I'm so far away from home, yet I'm here right now. I feel like I'm meant to be there. How do I make this happen? And I kept waiting on the email and waiting on a response and I didn't get anything. And then I'd heard that other people, online people were saying, I got selected, I got selected. And I didn't get selected. I can't remember if I actually got a rejection notice or you've been unsuccessful, but I didn't get tickets. So I was very upset about it because I just felt like somehow I was meant to be there. And if you know anything about me and some of my previous stories, Sometimes I just feel like there's a way and I'll find a way. And even uh, my friend at the time, I remember specifically being in the living room and he said to me, look, I know you and I know you're black magic. He's <laughs> like, don't worry about it. I'm like, dude, I, I, I have to be there. This is so important to me. He's like, you'll figure it out. He's, and he literally said the words, not only are you going to be able to get into this event, but you're going to be right down the front, right down near Michael Jackson's coffin, right near the family. You know, you're going to be sitting next to the Jackson family. You're going to be there. And I was like, you know, if only that was the case, you know, how do I make this happen? And um, somehow through, you know, positive thinking and, and just being in the right place at the right time, that's exactly what ended up happening. And he was pretty much spot on. And what, what ended up happening is, is I'd heard after giving up all hope that a cinematographer friend of mine had managed to get tickets and they give you two tickets to this thing. And I called him up and said, I heard that you got these tickets. He said, yeah, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Michael. He wasn't like a massive major fan, but he's like, I've been hearing about, you know, how much these tickets are selling for on eBay because obviously people were selling them for thousands of dollars and it's impossible to get these tickets. It was, you know, the exclusive thing. And I just explained to him, you know, why Michael was important to me and, and, and why I would love to be there. And uh, he just did the right thing. He just knew. He said, you know what? I've thought about it and I'd like you to come with me. And I'm like, you sure? Because I know you could sell these. I know you could make, you know, he's like, this is, this is the right thing to do. So all of a sudden I was blessed thinking, wow, I'm, I can't believe it. I, I just couldn't believe that he was so kind and generous 
and that I just happened to know a person who got the ticket. It just all fell into place in, in a strange way. But the actual ticketing thing was quite bizarre. You had they, so, the, so the people who got accepted were given they were given like an email and a registration that you've been successful for these two tickets. But you had to turn up like a couple of days later or whatever it was. You had to go to Dodger Stadium, which is a big, massive, you know, sports arena, um, which is where the Jacksons played on the victory tour. Uh, and you had to get in your car and drive through this massive parking lot thing. And it was all organized with sections and security and police. And there was you know, 20 lanes of cars and it was backed up from, you know, it, it was insane. It was like this is this massive traffic thing all carefully orchestrated and you had to do like a drive-through when you finally got to the end, uh, which took like an hour or something. When you finally got through to the end, there was all these drive-through sections with these people basically handing out tickets. So they'd give you two tickets and a special wristband. They had to give you like a gold wristband because that was the only way that you were going to get in so you couldn't sell the tickets. And it was crazy because we were like, which lane do we pick? Because by that point, you could have sort of driven wherever you wanted. And we just happened to pick one lane and they happened to pick two random tickets and hand them to us, give us the wristbands. And um, it wasn't until later that we realized how lucky we got with the actual tickets that were, mm. were allocated to us. So it was from that point on, it was crazy. And me being the Australian guy who was over there in LA and from Australia, it was the hottest news story, you know, that Michael Jackson's memorial. And somehow someone found out that I was there because I was at the Staples Center the day before where they were doing all of these, the tributes and people signing the boards and there was a lot of media there. And Channel 9 News, which is one of the biggest news uh, outlets in Australia, found me and said, hey, do you want to do an interview? So I said, sure. So I ended up doing this live interview on the Today Show and then they sort of thought, wow, that was really good. Can we do another segment with you? And they sort of thought, wow, this guy's cool. Let's, let's interview him. And I became the kind of, I don't know, the Australian uh, correspondent. Sort of correspondent, <laughs> yeah. And it was exciting and fun and, and, and crazy to be doing all this media. But what happened was someone gave out my number, I guess, because all of a sudden I was getting phone calls from every major radio station and network and magazine and newspaper. It was insane. I was getting, you know, requests for interviews and all this. So on the day of the memorial, I had like Channel 7 following me doing some big news story. And then I had to meet with Channel 9. And then they all wanted me to come straight after the memorial uh, before it and then after it to, to do live TV interviews. I had, you know, I don't know if many people outside of Australia know, but we have like, you know, Darren Hinch did a radio show and I did an interview with him and the Kyle and Jackie O show and Nova and this and all these radio stations. So I was like, you know, Mr. Popular for, for a whole week or so around that whole time, uh, just talking and answering questions and being the lucky Australian fan who managed to to be there and you know we'd be down at Forest Lawn where there's also a lot of fans down there where Michael was going to be where they were going to take him to to the Staples Center and the whole time I was just being barraged by media and almost to the point where it was a little bit I don't know annoying and a bit disrespectful but you know it's just like, okay, this is the ride I'm on, so let's just go with it and, and, and just see what happens. Um, so, yeah. 
So let's talk for a few minutes about the memorial service itself. So it was, I mean, I, I'm sure we've all seen it and um, it's it was quite the production, you know, like um, um, I know you said that you, you didn't know what to expect going into it. Was it was it what you thought it was going to be, or was it a giant circus? Well, it was it was it was not at all what I thought. I mean, I didn't realize how big this event was going to be for a start. There was thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people descending upon that area. They had, I heard, about three thousand police. They'd sectioned off and closed off roads and areas and I'm used to going down to that area a lot but you couldn't get near for blocks and blocks and blocks get through security checkpoints unless you had the wristband and the ticket so I kind of felt very blessed that I kept getting let through every checkpoint there was just so many fans that were desperate just to be close to to it that even if they couldn't get inside they just wanted to be close to it but it was so well organized it was like very well organized, the security, the the whole thing, to deal with that many people and people just desperate to get close to it. Uh, so much so that the Staples Center, which has a huge capacity, I'm not sure of the exact amount, but they had an overflow into the Nokia Theater, which is where the rehearsal for This Is It dances that we were talking about earlier was. Um, so we managed to get inside and we had no idea what to expect, but we honestly thought this was just going to be some kind of tribute fan celebration. It had only been announced a couple of hours earlier that Michael's gold casket had been taken from Forest Lawn where they had a family service and was on its way to the Staples Center. Because we were there and amongst all the event, we didn't know this at the time. So the first thing that was amazing was when we got in was we realized how amazing you know, these seats were that we had, these tickets, we just thought we're going to be somewhere in amongst, you know, this tens of thousands of people. And our seats were right, right near the front, just like my friend had predicted, right near the side. So not, not in the front row on the floor, but just on the side raised section, which was right next to the area where all of the VIP guests and celebrities were kind of hanging out before they found their seats. So first of all, we're like, wow, we are sitting right here. I can't even believe I'm here. There's so many fans outside. This is unbelievable. And yet we're right here. And everywhere I look, right next to me, there's so many well-known famous celebrities and friends and family of Michael. It's like so surreal. Of course, it's not the right time to be sort of, you know, approaching people or, or talking to people, but just to see them and be know that all the support of these people was there was was incredible. And and I was we were sitting right next to Lionel Richie and his daughter and uh, Jennifer Hudson and then a bit further up was Stevie Wonder. So first of all, it's that was surreal. Just being there and the amount of you know, people that were there that you just keep recognizing all these people, you know, as from Michael's career, you know, Frank DeLeo and Barry Gordy and Spike Lee was there and Wesley Snipes was there and, you know, Puff Daddy was there, Corey Feldman was there, you know, you name it, Barbara Walters, you know, all of these people who, who are somewhere tied to, to Michael were there and it was just amazing just to be there and feel like, wow, the world's eyes are watching and they're on this event from an outside and we're inside and it was just kind of strange because it was like being at a concert. I know that sounds really weird, but honestly, 
in that kind of venue, it was a it was an arena venue. It was like a concert venue or a sports venue. It doesn't sound that weird to me because the thing is that the the memorial and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was pretty much staged and sort of conducted by Kenny Ortega and the band that was involved in This Is It, wasn't it? I believe so. But again, at the time, I didn't know this. I didn't even know what to expect. But yeah, it was weird because it's like a huge gathering of thousands of fans in a stadium Mm. because we love Michael, but yet it's not a Michael concert and Michael is not going to be performing but yet it felt like people were there for that reason and they didn't they weren't used to being there for any other reason and people didn't really know how to react so it was this kind of strange vibe of people just yelling out the same things they would yell out at a Michael Jackson concert it was strange but fitting in some way like people were yelling out Michael and we love you Michael and all these things and cheers would go up and they'd be playing Michael songs while everyone was waiting and people would cheer for the songs and sing along and you felt like you're at a show and it was kind of bizarre but yet helped in a way with how everyone was feeling mm. so it was interesting and and it was also a bit like um i guess awkward in that the event was run in a way that it felt like it should have been a concert but everyone knew that it wasn't and that, that it was there for, you know, a, a serious emotional um, reason. And so they stripped away all the usual stuff like introductions of all these celebrity performers and, and it, everything just happened in silence. So there were these big massive silences and pauses before people would get up. And even to the point where it was running late and then Smokey Robinson got up and did a bit of an intro speech reading some messages from people. And everyone thought it had started. And I think the TV coverage was all saying, okay, it's on. Like when I watched back the tapes later, people were saying, right, it's starting. But it was like 20 minutes of silence between then and when the actual event started. And people were just sitting, not really sure what was happening. And in these awkward silences, you'd get people just yelling out, I love you, Michael, and everyone would cheer. And it was it was like nothing I've ever experienced. So we all didn't know what to expect. And then all of a sudden the Jackson family came in and they were right next to where I was when they came in. So it was pretty much the entire family, um, Catherine, Joseph, um, all the brothers, 3, 3T. Um, and it was incredible just to see all of the family members there and, you know, Michael's kids as well. And so they came and sat in the front row and I could have eyes on them the entire time. Like I would look directly in front of me and there was the family and I could just look at them and the kids, what they were doing, the entire thing. It was quite emotional. And then all of a sudden they started with this gospel gospel song, you know, that was, I think it was, we're going to see the king. Mm. And all of a sudden the brothers entered wearing a single sparkly glove and sunglasses carrying the gold casket. And that's the moment, that was the first moment I realized what this was and what this event was. I, I, and I just broke down. Like I didn't really fully realize that that is what this event was until it happened. And they brought the casket in and they placed it down 
basically right in front of me. So it was right in front of my eyeline where I was watching. That's right there. And yeah, it was emotional and amazingly, I can't even describe what it was like. The love, the emotion, the tears, the joy, the celebration, and every, you know, friend of Michael and celebrity artist and performer who got up and, you know, Stevie Wonder singing I Never Dreamed You'd Leave in Summer was possibly the highlight for me. Just so incredible and so emotional. And Jermaine um, singing Smile, which I'm still not sure how he even got through the song. And all of the tributes and the performances and the Mm. moments just was the most emotional, heart-wrenching, you know, feeling. And watching, you know, little blanket Michael's kid in the front row playing with a little black or white doll the whole time, you know, and wondering if he really knew what was going on. And watching Prince sitting there chewing gum looking just like his dad when he was at various award shows and things, just his body language and the way he'd be almost almost like he wasn't taking it seriously or didn't really know how to be, but it just felt like Michael. And then, of course, Paris, you know, her emotional moment on stage, which I'm sure you've all seen, just the whole experience. I just remember feeling so lucky, so blessed, and I remember thinking about Q, and I remember thinking, you know, that I'm here for you, and I remember looking because they gave us the the official program for the memorial which I said right I'm going to take this and I'm going to give this to Q because he'll need it more than me and uh, so I sent it to you and um, yes yeah it was so on behalf of all Australian fans I was grateful and blessed to be there at such an incredibly special event and such an emotional event and um yeah so i thank whoever i have to thank for all of the stars aligning for that to happen because it was very very important to me to be there and it was such an incredible special moment that i'll remember for the rest of my life wow Whew. we'll have a link to that in our show notes if you haven't seen it if you're a listener who loves michael jackson and you haven't seen that memorial service it's uh, it's something important to watch, and we'll have a link to that in our show notes that you can follow to to watch it. Yeah, absolutely, and it and it is very hard to watch. But even if you can't watch the whole thing, watch Stevie Wonder's performance. Yeah, you know, I don't think I've a- ever i've I've never watched the whole thing in one sitting. I've seen the whole thing in sections. For me, the standout moment was Barry Gordy, um, and his speech and him crowning Michael as the greatest entertainer that ever lived. Yeah. That moment was just like, when I heard that the first time, it was like, there's no one really else that I could think of that would be worthy to to don him with that title than the yeah. person who really schooled Michael. Um, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Paul, thank you so much for sharing your story from from those days from that time um for reminding me (sighs) 
for reminding me of a lot of things that I really appreciate and I still hold really dear to my heart for for you being like my MJ brother and um, for those things that you did. And I'm, I'm really glad we got to share those stories today with our other listeners. Um, so, yeah, thanks for joining us on the MJ cast again and don't worry, folks, this won't be the last you hear from Paul Black. <laughs> You'll have more black magic. Don't worry. Absolutely. There's never enough black magic. So, well, but yeah. Thank you so much, guys. It was a pleasure to be here and uh, it was an honor to share some of these stories. And uh, hopefully other fans out there will relate or just be able to feel closer to those moments that I felt like I was there on behalf of all fans worldwide for anyone who didn't get the chance to be there. Um, so in tribute to all fans and to Michael. So all good. Awesome. Thank yeah. you, Paul. Thank you, no Paul. No worries. Well, Cheers. Thank you. Right, well, I guess this is a, a good time as any for another music break. Smile and maybe tomorrow 
Hi, this is Ron Hoffman, studio musician and engineer with Michael Jackson, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. It was great to hear from Paul Black again, wasn't it? It really was. So grateful that he could join us uh, on this occasion, and we look forward to having Paul return on the MJ Cast in future episodes. Can't wait to get some more of that black magic. Absolutely. All right, so we've got another section now of the show, something a little bit different, but something we put a call out for a couple of weeks ago leading up to this episode, didn't we? We did. Thank you so much. What what did we get? We had a total of 10 submissions from listeners. Yeah, roughly 10, and everyone who submitted has made it into the show. We were really excited about that. That uh, says a lot, I think, about the uh, the passion and the, the quality of our submissions, so... That's, you need to stay tuned to the MJ cast for instructions on when we do things like this. Otherwise, you will miss the opportunity on, on being a part of a really special show like this. Yeah, that's right. So the question that we asked our, our listeners is, is the question that we ask all of our special guests as well, which is, of course, how do you feel Michael should be remembered? Hello, MJ cast. This is Jerome Horn from Indianapolis, Indiana in the United States. Thank you so much for allowing me to be on the show again, and I always enjoy listening to what you guys put out. You guys do some awesome work, and the show just continues to get better and better, and I I continue to wish you the best success in the world, and I hope that the, the show just will grow and really become the number one source for MJ fans all around the world. Uh, how should Michael Jackson be remembered? Wow. Uh, I think first and foremost, Michael should be remembered for his artistry. I think the focus should always be on the amazing contributions he made to the music industry and how he revolutionized and really changed the form of music. Michael contributed Uh, so many things to what we now know as popular music and really helped redefine what a music video was, what entertainment was. You know, uh, he really, really seemed to captivate such a wide 
wide range of people. Whenever you looked at Michael's concerts, you saw all walks of life, all races, all ages, and it was just a beautiful sight of, of humanity. Uh, Michael should also be remembered for the person that he was. Not only was he a great artist, but he was also a great human being. He was a genuinely kind person who really seemed to care, care for everyone else very deeply. And he just had this kind of innocence and special quality about him that you don't really get with many people in this world. And uh, I think that gets overshadowed so much. And it's really easy to get um, caught up in the sensationalism and the tabloids and all of that negativity and, and horrible other uh, news that was out there about the man. Um, and it really takes away from the tremendous person he was. And so uh, I always try my best to highlight Michael's artistry and the person that he was when I talk to other people, especially when people ask me, why is it that you like Michael Jackson? Um, you know, I always say, well, that, that's a long conversation, but you, the, the short of it is you have to understand there, there was no one like that man, and there still isn't anyone like that man. We've got, a great, we've got many great artists today, but none of them, none of them um, quite touch the same level. Uh, none of them quite get to you. Uh, none of them pierce the soul the way Michael Jackson was able to. And so thank you, MJ Cast, for uh, asking me to be part of this. Thank you for asking other fans to contribute. And I can't wait to hear what other people have to say on the show. This is Jerome Horn from Indianapolis, Indiana, signing out. Good morning, Jamin and Q. This is Lynn Tyler, um, sending in my thoughts on how um, I think Michael should be remembered. Um, to me, first and foremost, it's about the art. It's about the music. It's about the performer. Um, Michael set out a goal when he was uh, very young that he wanted to be the greatest of all time. And um, we have been lucky enough to live in times when uh, we've witnessed uh, the greatest, greatest of all times. Um, when we listen to music, be it something that he recorded decades ago, or we watched the short films, um, we listen to the songs that he wrote, or even the way he interpreted the songs that others wrote, um, Michael had an amazing determination. Michael had um, a, a gift that nobody else had. And that is so transparent in his art. And, um, you know, when we listen to his music, even though, especially us fans, we've listened to it for years, decades even, and uh, sometimes we still get goosebumps at some of those songs or some of those short films. So I think first and foremost, the art is at the top of the list for me. And, um, you know, the, the, the incredible art that he's left behind um, is definitely something to remember him by. The second thing um, has to do with his human qualities. Um, as when we think of Michael, um, if somebody was to ask, you know, what qualities do you attribute to Michael when you think about him? I mean, first and foremost would be kindness. Um, second, for me, would be humility. I mean, no matter how big Michael became, no matter how much of a superstar he was, 
um, he seemed to have remained very humble. And uh, to me, that's something to remind, to uh, remember him by and to also uh, live by. Uh, be kind unto others and, um, you know, be a great human being. Um, and, and, the, and the last one is, is probably a little odd, but it's something that I always think about when I think about Michael. Um, and, and that is how in today's world, especially with social media, uh, we live in times where it, it's, it's very easy to pass judgment onto others and onto others' behavior without really knowing the whole, knowing the whole story. And um, I think that is something that we have to be extremely careful about. You know, Michael, um, especially towards the end of his career, but throughout his career, became sort of the laughingstock of the media. Um, he was treated in a way that was extremely, extremely detrimental to him uh, personally, and that influenced uh, public opinion. And um, it was destructive to his, to his, to him personally. And and I think we have to remember that, and we have to make sure that we never ever uh, do that to anybody else. And um, that's about it. Those are the things that I remember Michael by. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what everybody else has to say. Thank you. Hello, I'm Bruce from Hollywood, California. How should Michael Jackson be remembered? It's a very big question. What an incredible life full of achievements, both large and tiny, personal and global. Um, but I think I'm going to focus on in this the tragedy of Michael Jackson, the um, slings and arrows that he had to suffer because of his fame. We need to remember the challenges and strife that Michael went through because it shows, illuminates in a worldwide spotlight kind of way, the, the nastiness of some of the world. And we need to see that so that we can make it better, focus on it, address it, and truly make the world a better place. Michael was a very gentle soul, incredible amounts of talent, unique childhood that I'm sure probably no one else or very few have ever had anything close to it. And he used all this talent and energy of his to try to change the world for the better, spreading a message of hope. He was so dedicated to it. I'm, unlike any other recording artist, so incredibly dedicated to it. And he did it in such an incredible, fascinating way, magical way. He really was magic personified. And all these incredible differences that were so positive, he was actually ultimately crucified for a lot of those differences. And I think we need to remember the suffering of Michael Jackson and learn from it that we shouldn't fear difference, but we should celebrate it. We need to accept each other as we are. We are beautiful, luminous beings, full of love to share with the world. Um, to quote some Jackson's lyrics, 
we're all the same. The blood inside of you is inside of me. And that's something the world really needs to remember. Well, sorry if that got a little too heavy. <laughs> but um, keep Michaeling, everybody. And can't wait to listen to the next episode of the MJ Cast. Thanks so much. Bye. Hello, MJ Cast. This is Elizabeth Amisu from the Journal of Michael Jackson Academic Studies online and the author of The Dangerous Philosophies of Michael Jackson, his music, his persona and his afterlife. For me, Michael Jackson should be remembered for the greatness of his art, for the words that he gave us, the songs that he wrote and performed, his stage presence and, of course, the amazing short films that he created throughout his career. I also believe that Michael should be remembered very much for his philanthropic efforts. He really is an inspiration to us all in giving. And he gave the very best of himself to the world so that we will always remember him as someone who did so. Also, it's really, really important, I think, that Michael should be remembered as a man of great prestige talent and integrity. Those are some of the qualities that Michael had that I think have been overlooked in the past few years. For me, he will always be forever on a pedestal similarly to that of William Shakespeare. And I'm of the belief that in the coming years and decades, the rest of the world will learn to know that too. I love you all. Have a great anniversary. And remember today to celebrate Michael's life and not mourn his death. Hello, I'm Tom Roudman from England. How should Michael Jackson be remembered? I would like us to remember who Michael Jackson was. I would like us to remember the successes and struggles of his life, how he inspired us, and also how the world sought to destroy him. And finally, I would like us, most importantly, to remember his message to all of us. So I'm going to read Michael's poem, Magical Child, from his book Dancing the Dream, because it encapsulates all of these things. Magical Child Once there was a child, and he was free. Deep inside, he felt the laughter, the mirth and play of nature's glee. He was not troubled by thoughts of hereafter, beauty, love, was all he'd see. He knew his power was the power of God. He was so sure they considered him odd. This power of innocence, of compassion, of light, threatened the priests and created a fright. In endless ways they sought to dismantle this mysterious force which they could not handle. In endless ways they tried to destroy his simple trust his boundless joy. His invisible armour was a shield of bliss. Nothing could touch it, no venom, no hiss. The child remained in a state of grace. He wasn't confined in time or place. In technicolour dreams he frolicked and played. While acting his part, in eternity he stayed. Soothsayers came and fortunes were told Some were vehement, others were bold in denouncing this child 
This perplexing creature, with the rest of the world, he shared no feature. Is he real? He's so strange. His unpredictable nature knows no range. He puzzles us so. Is he straight? What's his destiny? What's his fate? And while they whispered and conspired through endless rumours to get him tired, to kill his wonder, trample him near, burn his courage, fuel his fear, the child remained just simple, sincere. All he wanted was the mountain high, colour the clouds, paint the sky. Beyond these boundaries he wanted to fly in nature's scheme, never to die. Don't stop this child, he's the father of man. Don't cross his way, he's part of the plan. I am that child, but so are you. You've just forgotten, just lost the clue. Inside your heart sits a seer. Between his thoughts he can hear a melody simple but wondrously clear, the music of life so precious so dear. If you could for one moment know this spark of creation, this exquisite glow, you would come and dance with me, kindle this fire so we could see all the children of the earth, weave their magic and give new birth to a world of freedom with no pain, a world of joy, much more sane. Deep inside, you know it's true. Just find that child. It's hiding. In you. Magical Child is about Michael. It is about him being like a magical child, full of love, innocence, compassion and light. He speaks about how the world, in its fear and cynicism, tries to kill his beauty, destroy his heart and fill him with fear. Finally, he says, yes, I am this beautiful, magical being, full of compassion and light. But look into your heart, so are you. Through this poem and all of his work, Michael is inspiring us all to realise our true nature, that underneath our pain, fear and numbness, we are beautiful beings, we are free, like Michael, we all have the soul of a magical child. Deep inside, you know it's true, just find that child, it's hiding in you. Thank you. Hey everyone, this is Meryl. And my Twitter name is Meza, or Meryl1981. I'm from New Zealand, and I think that MJ should be remembered as a genius and somebody that made the world a far greater place and brought everybody together. Hi, my name is Carly. Uh, I am Kira. I Carly and Jay. I am Jay. My golden boy. I am from Australia. How did I feel Michael should be remembered? I feel that Michael should be remembered for his message about love, how he wanted to spread the message around the world. He taught us how to love. Okay, I feel that Michael should be remembered for the messages to his son. Such a 
Hildeberg, Riadeberg, the Eskong, Langdemir, and Clyde, just to name a few. How he really can change the world, he cares to our parents, our world, and Christopher, the children of the world. Luckily, they say much love in the world. We love and see Luckily. I would like to thank the MJ class for doing this. He plays your great job as always. And most importantly, keep on laughing and make your MJ job. How should Michael Jackson be remembered? To talk about how we should remember someone like Michael Jackson, it's important to consider at least some of the facets that made the man. Selflessness. Probably one of his most overlooked qualities is that Michael was one of the biggest contributors and sponsors of countless of charities worldwide. He traveled the globe, giving and helping as much as he could, as well as funding and starting his own charities. One of his biggest dreams was to build his own hospital, and called the Michael Jackson Children's Hospital to provide the very best care for all children. It is true that he amounted wealth that few of this world had experienced, but he always gave back tenfold and knew that it was part of the responsibility that comes with a name as heavy as his. Integrity, musical sensitivity. This quality was apparent for everyone to see. Wherever MJ was involved with something, he always gave it much more than 100%. His professionalism still astounds music producers and heads of record companies today. His sensitivity when it came to musical structure and melody composing was almost second to none. He could feel the music inside of him, like electric energy, and his ability to portray it through his movements and voice left the world shell-shocked and changed global popular culture forever. A Child's Eyes The third and final piece to my answer regards Michael's unique ability to see boundless possibilities, both for himself and the world he lived in. He was able to do this partly because he was forced to hold on to his childhood after not being able to enjoy it because of his constant musical commitments. He harnessed feelings that most of us lose as we leave our childhood behind. He truly believed that the magic, wonder, mystery, and innocence that live inside of a child's heart could spawn the creativity and potential to heal the world. He believed that these qualities still exist within us and all we need to do is to recognize them within ourselves instead of automatically dismissing them. That they are an integral part of our human nature. Put these three together, and what you are left with is the memory of a man so unique to this world that I am sure someone of his spirit, character, and genius will not walk the earth again. Thank you. Hello. This is Karen, and I'm reading this out on behalf of myself and Mary Anthony from Melbourne, Australia. We would like to see Michael Jackson remembered with the respect and dignity he so richly deserves, for him to receive recognition for being the great multi-talented artist, humanitarian and family man that he was. We dream of one day attending a Michael Jackson festival 
similar to what's currently being held for Elvis Presley and Marilyn Monroe, a festival that encompasses and celebrates all areas where Michael's had a cultural impact, particularly in music, dance, film, fashion, art and the humanities. We really want to thank uh, nine people just there. That would be Jerome Horn, Lynn Tyler, Bruce Aguilera, Elizabeth Amisu, Tom Routerman, Meryl Verstraten, Carly Swan, Luca Bellesi, and Karen O'Halloran for sending those submissions in. We really appreciate that, and we really hope that other listeners out there enjoyed hearing from those. And, Jamin, you've got something else you wanted to share? Yeah, we've also got a special 10th uh, submission uh, somebody sent us one just at the very last minute, actually, and it's it's gorgeous. It's it's done in a different uh, style to the others. Uh, Angela Kander from the UK has uh, sent us in a spoken word uh, version of her response to our question, which we'll listen to now. Magic. When I was little, I believed in magic. I thought he was magic. Can he really turn into a car? Can he defy gravity and lean down so far? Can he liquefy down into grains of sand? Can he turn into a werewolf when the full moon is at hand? This man. This man that's full of ideas. Ideas that can change this world with music and art. Learn to love from the heart. A fellow man that needs a helping hand. Visualise a future so bright. Where our brothers and sisters stand to unite. Strength. It doesn't matter what they say. Let them say it again. Breaking barriers of colour and race. You have the right to be angry when they point in your face. And I don't mean to take this down a negative route. But how can I ignore the lessons that come from his truth? Music. When I first heard his music. Family and friends gather around the tape decks on. The room fills with innovative sound. The glove, the curls, the tilted hat. You best believe the world will remember that. Angela, thank you so much. You got in right at the last minute before we closed submissions for that. So we're really appreciative uh, of that really unique piece. And I'm glad that we had the chance to share that. Um, I also just wanted to let everyone know that uh, if you go to themjcast.com, give me a few days, but I will be transcribing all of those um, audio submissions from from the listeners that you just heard, and you'll be able to read those as well. So head to themjcast.com to find the transcriptions for those. And just a reminder, everyone, any tweet that you send out today on Michael's anniversary, make sure Whatever you're sharing, whether it's a picture, tribute, even this show, make sure you include the hashtag MJForever. That has been asked for by the Jackson family specifically. So make sure you do include the hashtag MJForever with anything that you share across your social networks on this day. Jackson, Jackson, the legend Michael Jackson forever Remember where you was when it happened Everybody staring at phones, reading their flashes in hope That it's just a rumour and soon that we'll get the facts in I'll always remember the spot where I was standing Exact same spot where I felt like collapsing Our relationship with music, he has always been the captain Even after confirmation it sunk, it never sank in 
The same year I was born, Michael brought you Thriller Funny, the first ever album that I was brought was Thriller Out of this world is moonwalk, then brought us all together An important figure can't figure a human force that's bigger It wasn't right how the media handled Mike Disgusting, how they're always discussing if he's black or white His mum was black his dad was black, so it ain't rocket science to say he's black or right But that didn't matter to him, cause he was not racist Self-proclaimed bad, thus he caught cases They ain't a smooth criminal without court cases Said he was touching, I said he was touching all nations Even before dangerous, he's like a thousand times Bigger than the rest, rewind his tape like a thousand times Elvis was a great, and Lennon was a legend But Michael J was like both over a thousand times Said that the cells declined, but after you said about 750 million, what's left to yell about? There ain't a music act that doesn't old Jack old Jack, so he's always gonna sell as long as they're about. Watching his life was an honor, and I don't mean the kind of disrespect to Madonna, but Michael was on a different level. And he adopted all of us in his songs while he was trying to heal the world like a doctor. I hope the money goes to the kids as I hold these 202 tickets for his 50 day tour. Less than 50 days away from his death at 50. Wish he had 50 days more, but never got half past on the 25th of June. And we should remember this day is his. I believe he never left and he will never leave Never been the legend that's lived that can forever breathe Never been the martyr that fought that can forever bleed Never been the leader that walked that can forever lead Gotta give him to us, same gotta take him from us Now he's in his rightful place cause he was so heavenly over one and one for all, he made a song for all So I put a copy of his off the wall, on the wall My town misses him, your town misses him Everybody since Motown misses him Now when you think of him, picture him Standing on the stage with his hand up, one glove glistening Whole world at a standstill, listening Anticipating his next move, the king is him From age five, and the days of J5 He's never took a break, no rest to take five There'll never be a next direction this just ain't Mike Time to pay our respects and watch the angels take flight Out into the sky and never ever land Cause his house was in the sky and never 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 land Under all the pressure he never ever ran He's the best forever damn Who dressed forever glam The biggest man on the planet Not just the brother to Janet My thoughts go out to his family He gave his hearts to the fans And he paved the way for the future Still his flame is in view Cause he inspired songwriters Record labels, producers Saying Michael Jackson was the king of pop But I'm saying he was the king full stop People saying that Michael Jackson was the king of pop But I'm saying he was the king full stop Hi, this is Scott Ross, lead investigator on the Michael Jackson trial, and you are listening to the MJ cast. Thank you for listening. Geez, I love that song. That's The King Full Stop by Sway. I'd never actually heard it before you uh, put it in the show notes queue, but I really loved it. <laughs> cool. Glad you enjoyed it. Uh, we've had a lot of really good music today, and I hope I hope our listeners have enjoyed the amount of music we played. Uh, we definitely wanted to make this a, a, a musical tribute to Michael Jackson uh, this show, as well as hearing from listeners and special guests. Uh, Nick, especially, thank you so much. Remixed by Nick. 
I saw yesterday that you were working on a uh, a jam remix. <laughs> so you put a cryptic little post up on Facebook talking about jam, and I thought, oh, there's got to be a high chance he's working on something. And uh, sure enough, you were. So thank you very much for letting us debut uh, your jam redux on the MJ cast. It's an incredible, incredible redux, and and we absolutely love it. So thank you. Uh, so Q, what 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 were the songs we played today? Cool. So today, yeah, we had a lot of musical tributes um, that I sort of came across, and and I've tried to include on the um the site as much information as I could about like who put these songs together. The first one we played was um, it's simply just on YouTube and known as the Africa tribute to Michael Jackson from Uganda. Then we followed that up with uh, the Jam Redux by Remixed by Nick. We played a song called Still. It was written by Chris Style and produced by Baby Girl and the vocals were performed by Paulina Sitzman. We also featured... Jermaine Jackson's rendition of Smile. And then that was the song that you just heard then called The King Full Stop, and that was by Sway. And wrapping up the show, we'll be playing a song called He Did It, uh, written and performed by Smooed. Well, we hope you enjoyed this special anniversary episode of the MJ cast. It has been seven years since we lost the King of Pop, Michael Jackson. It's a uh, period of time that it is it is difficult to move through every year. I know that I wake up every year on the on the twenty fifth and even the twenty sixth actually in Australia, um, because it was the twenty sixth hour time uh, that we lost Michael Jackson and and it's never easier. Every year I find it very very difficult. But uh, the one thing that gets me through it is knowing that I can just ring my MJ mates, whether it's Q or just anyone really, and and have a chat about Michael. I also love putting on a bit of Michael music. I might watch some short films and things like that, maybe read an MJ book. But uh, I think the best way to kind of get through it is to to talk to those other MJ fans you have around you. Oh, very much. I think, you know, the reason we sort of put an episode out on on this date specifically is so that people out there who, who feel really down like us, yeah. um, who, who might feel, you know, quite alone and not sure really what to do with themselves on this day, you know, well, we're just sort of reaching out our hands and saying, you know, you're not alone. We're, we're feeling the exact same way. So, you know, just to give everyone like a, a big sort of hug and, and a bit of support on this day because it is a really difficult day every year. It doesn't really get any easier. It doesn't get any easier. So that's sort of no, not at all. Um, and if, so, you, if you're sitting at home and you're, and you're listening and, you know, you want to reach out to somebody and have a chat, just just get to us on Twitter. We're at the MJ cast. Just reach out. Q or I will respond and we'll, we'll have a chat about Michael. Yep, Facebook as well. So, yeah, you can find us on pretty much all the social networks. We're uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as the MJ Cast. We're over at Tumblr, themjcast.tumblr.com. You can find our episodes and other videos that we've put together over on YouTube if you search for the MJ Cast. And, of course, email. We love getting your emails, so send them in. The MJCast at iCloud.com is our address. 
But yeah, so go on social networks, you know, interact with other fans today and, and every other day. Um, there's some amazing people out there and, and you'll really make some really great friends when you start sort of reaching out and interacting with uh, other people. How can people find the show notes and our site and subscribe to the show, Jamin? Well, our website's really easy to get to. All you have to do is type in themjcast.com into your browser and it'll take you right to the hub of all things the MJ cast. Uh, look, if you want to subscribe to our show, it's something we highly recommend. We are a podcast and there's a number of reasons why you'd want to subscribe. You get our shows before anybody else uh, and also access to all of our show notes right in your podcast app to, to use while you're listening to the show. Uh, there's a range of different podcast apps you can get us on. Uh, the most popular, of course, is iTunes and Apple's Podcasts app uh, on your iPhone or iPad. Uh, it's really easy. You just go in there, click search, type the MJ cast, hit subscribe, and bam, you'll be getting our shows. Uh, look, there's also other podcast apps. You can get us on TuneIn. You can get us on Stitcher Radio. Uh, and also a bunch of Android apps as well that you can download and subscribe to us through. The easiest way to do that, honestly, is just to go to our website, hit subscribe on Android, and it'll give you a big list of all the different apps you can you can get to hear us on, on your Android device. That's it. Subscribe. Don't miss out. That's, you know, people probably going, oh, well, I missed out on putting my audio in. Well, if you'd listened back to episode 32, you would have heard all of the details early on. And so, yeah, keep up to date and don't miss out. All right. Well, that's our June 25th special for 2016. Episode 34, uh, hashtag MJ forever. Hashtag MJ forever. And absolutely MJ forever. All right, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time, listeners. So make sure you keep occupied, enjoying Michael Jackson stuff, and make sure you enjoy the fortnight ahead. Keep Michaeling. Thanks for joining us today, everyone. Michael on. Talked, we talked a bit about what listeners might be doing over the next day or so, but what are you doing, Q? Uh, today, on my four hours sleep that I've had because I didn't land back home until uh, close to one o'clock, um, we are having another home open, so you have to do the house and stuff, and I've got to go to the post office. So uh, I think the only Michael I'm really going to be able to fit in today is uh, playing some music and definitely... When I go out driving, I'll be playing it really loud. Yeah, man. That's the way. <laughs> that's the way. Car stereos are so good for Michael, aren't they? Oh, so good. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Sometimes I put the windows down. Like if I'm driving through like yes. a like a, a built-up area of town with lots of pedestrians and stuff, I'll put the windows yep. down. I'll crank up the way you make me feel. That's a great yep. way to advertise, MJ. <laughs> I just had an idea, actually. 
um, I've got this sort of metal number plate of Michael Jackson with these really cool, um, I think it's what single cover is it? It's uh, the picture of Michael. He's got a really cool black leather jacket on. And I might just pop that up in the back window of the car today. Oh, that's and, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And tomorrow uh, I'm going to Supernova, which is like a Comic-Con sort of convention. So I have to try and figure out how I can wear a like Captain EO t-shirt or something like bit pop culture-y nerdy to, to Supernova. It's really – it's winter and it's cold <laughs> and it's raining. So I've got to figure out how to, I can wear a t-shirt that people can actually see in this cold weather though. But, yeah, I'm going to do that tomorrow as well. That sounds like so much fun. Did, did you ever see that photo of the guy from a couple of years ago who went to Comic-Con dressed as Captain EO in cosplay? Yes. And – who was it that sent us that in email as well? Um, was it David or Bruce? I can't remember. It was it was a good couple of months ago, but yeah, that was cool. One of our yeah, one of our listeners sent like this link to to that guy who sort of does Captain EO sort of pro yeah. at conventions and stuff. It was really cool. Super what cool. are you you're gonna? So you're just gonna like try and fit in some Michael stuff today as well. Yeah, well, I'm going to have a big day of editing this <laughs> episode. Um, but as soon as I get that out, I think I'll listen to some Michael music. Um, I've been in a real thriller mood lately. It's probably one of the albums I go back to least and listen to from start to finish because yeah. I know all the songs on it so much. But I'm just yeah in a real thriller mood. So I'm going to listen to that album a couple of times today. And then tonight, usually on the evening between the 25th and the 26th is the night where I um, usually you know, enjoy something Michael, um, audio visual. So I might put on, I don't know yet. I always start thinking like, I want to watch this is it because that was the last thing he was working on. But then I remember how I feel when I watch it. So I definitely don't, I don't think I want to put that on now. Probably something. Go on, go on YouTube and find like a rare concert that you haven't watched much or something. Yeah. That's a good idea. So much on YouTube now, like, you know, like Toronto Victory or yeah. um, Dangerous Brunei or something. Yeah, I think I might. I think I might watch something from the Victory era or the Bad era. Cool, nice. Well, have a good day, man, and thanks for putting this all together for everyone. It's always a really good episode, and and yeah, thanks for everyone for contributing, and thanks everyone for sharing the episode and for listening. Yeah, anything for Michael. That's it. Thanks, brother. All the best. Thinking of you today. You too, man.
Say you can believe you can. 